I'm Agent Phil Coulson with the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. That's quite a mouthful. I know. We're working on it. The Battle of New York was the end of the world. This is the new world. I am a soldier's angel through the eyes of a soldier through the... What were you after? The truth. World peace. I'm a soldier's angel. You've got a hundred men at your disposal. And now... A hand-picked team. In a war of words between... Just call us shield. And yes, they're that good. No one walks away from this battle. Hello, hollers, and welcome to another episode of Agents of Summercast. I am Colonel Chaos, a.k.a. Chipsella. Joining me tonight, we have the one, the only, the amazing, the astonishing... Agent Andy, he might not be your father, but he sure is your daddy. Agent Andy Ant-Man Urquhart, how you doing, Agent? <laughs> yes, good, yes. Still the same as five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had to come up with two intros for you tonight. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's Father's <laughs> Day, so happy Father's mm. Day, Andy. Oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if it's Father's I, Day over there or not, but it it, it was yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those weird things. I, I think Mother's Day is different, but Father's Day is the same for some reason. Like it's really weird. But I did have a I did have a good day. I went to a I went to a retro uh, gaming convention and then did two three podcasts. <laughs> it's a perfect day for me, really. <laughs> you know, we never even got. We can do it maybe next week if you remind me. Um, I did go to a Comic Con last weekend. <laughs> so, uh, there were some, uh, so uh, I don't know. Maybe they were uh, extras from Guardians that they tried to pass okay. off as they were in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, mm. There, I wouldn't even know who they were. I didn't care. Didn't maybe they were. Maybe they were uh, blue shots from the Nova Corps. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Um, the only thing is, I I can't. What is his name? Sandil Ruma Parthi from Heroes. The, um. Oh, that's the the guy that played the the Doctor guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in Beauty and the Beast, and he was on Covert <laughs> Affairs. We talked to him for about five or ten minutes. Oh, cool. I didn't. I wasn't paying him for his autograph or a picture mm. or anything, but we did talk mm. to him. He was he was a cool dude. He's got a cool show coming out next year, which is I don't know something between like VR and the Matrix, and it sounded kind of cool. Oh. Mm. Sci- really sci-fi uh, based. So, but nice. uh, other than that, uh, other than buying, I got some more Stitch artwork. We got a shitload of more pops, uh, Funko pops. Yeah, it wasn't that great of a convention. <laughs> And honestly, yes. we we went to go grab lunch, and it was the first time they had it at this casino. Uh, we went back the re-entry line, not the ed- not the line to get in for the first time. Well, I think they were mm. one and the same, which was part of the problem. Mm. It was about a two-hour wait to get back in. Oh my god! I was like, yeah, there's <laughs> nothing there that I need that badly. That uh, no. So 
we uh, bailed. But um, <laughs> so we're done with talking about that convention. Um, yeah, in terms of star power, Darth Maul was there. Uh, Shades was okay. there as part of the Sons of Anarchy group. Hmm. And that was about the only person that I had some interest in talking to. Uh, like I said, the guy from Heroes and Covert. Of, I, I was a big fan of Covert Affairs. And if it's a, hmm. you never saw it, it's a sh- great uh, CIA espionage political intrigue show starring Piper Parabo, which makes it even all that much better. Uh, that was on TNT or USA for like five years. And uh, highly recommend it. If you can, if you want to binge watch something like that, great show. So, thanks. All right, so this is it, Andy. We're this is the day we are finally doing our Guardians of the Galaxy spoiler cast. Finally, yes. The movie's been out for what a month or so now. Uh, about six weeks, at least. Hmm. So, uh, we gave everybody long enough to see it. Uh, anything beyond this point, when I say now, will be, uh, is, you know, we will be in the spoiler zone. And anyth- and we are allowed to say anything we want about the what happens in the movie, etc. Uh, so you have been warned. So as of right now, we are in the spoiler zone. <laughs> I like being in the spoiler zone. It's it's a good place to be, <laughs> and I know we can talk with uh, talk with the gloves freely. off. <laughs> yep. So, Andy, let's get right. We've already done news. We've already done our banter. We're doing two shows in one night. Let's just get into it. Yeah. So we're going to do like a, a kind of brief synopsis of this and. Uh, highlight anything we want to talk about as we go through and uh, maybe go back through and pick out some of the easter eggs that we that we liked in amongst it as well so uh the the movie kicks off Guardians of the galaxy volume two which i don't think is the best title for this movie to be honest i think they should have just called it like guardians of the galaxy what and some subtitle like i like subtitled movies i, I don't like numbers anymore i like them to, to have the subtitles because it's timeless i don't know I don't know if you like prefer the number and all the, the titling. I would have been happy uh, just calling it Guardians of the Galaxy two, but yeah, I don't see why they had to go with Volume two because it didn't really. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense from a, like a comic book point of view because when you've got like a comic book arc, they like they usually package that down when they release it as a graphic novel until like this is Volume one, and then the next that's like say six or ten issues or whatever how long the arc is, and then the next lot is like Volume two, so it kind of makes sense from that point of view. But I think they're more going along the lines of like with the soundtrack here. I mean, even the soundtrack it doesn't make a lot of sense because I mean, how many bands do you know that release like an album and then their second one's called like Volume two? It's just it was just a weird move well, an instead album of calling is a it collection two. of songs, and so Volume. Uh, volume is the correct thing. If you t- if this was you know if this was a story arc though, it would be volume mm-hmm. two. It was a collection yep. of the oh, story yeah. arc. So yeah. Usually, even with those though, there is a subtitle. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a subtitle. Give me a subtitle. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I like the subtitles that they do for movies, and like most of them make sense with like. They've done it with Thor and Captain America and Avengers, obviously. So, I don't know. I just 
I'd like them to either go like all one way or all the other way. Because I mean, look at Iron Man. Iron Man's like Iron Man, Iron Man two, Iron Man three, and then you've got like Ant Man is Ant Man, and then Ant Man and the Wasp. And presumably the next, the one after that would be like Giant Man or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like the, I do like the idea of Ant Man and the Wasp colon the adventure in the microverse or whatever like that, but uh, you know. James Gunn is going. It wants to do something different. He's doing something kind of retro. The movies are kind of retro when you think about it. Um, I bet you. So um, I'm not against it. Okay, but um, we just spent five minutes talking about the title. Oh God, this is gonna be a long episode. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So. Uh, moving on from that, uh, the movie kicks off with a, a flashback to 1980, where we see Meredith Quill, which is Peter Quill's mother, um, being uh, wooed by uh, this guy Eagle, who is uh, described as a spaceman. I um, mean, he shows a lot of sort of alien seedling he's planted in the woods in uh, in Missouri somewhere, and this is this kind of courtship sort of phase. Uh, he's obviously come down in the. Just at the tail end of the seventies, and still is uh, living the sort of flower power motif strong. <laughs> it's very happy esque this to me. Yeah. Um, we we then see uh, thirty four years later. So this is set in two thousand and fourteen. This is when this movie is set. So like three years ago, and I think in like. Avengers and stuff like that, or uh, certainly in Civil War, we're up to like 2016, I believe. By the time Avengers is uh, uh, Civil War is uh, is wrapping up, we're in 2016. So this is like a few years before that. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see like how that all ties up in uh, Infinity War, because I don't think the events of this movie take place over too long a time period. We'll get into that later on. But yeah, so this is in 2014. We see the the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is obviously. Uh, Star Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket Raccoon, and Baby Groot now, because at the end of the last movie we saw Rock, uh, B- uh, Groot was like a, a little tiny dancing sapling, and he's now grown up a little bit, so he can now run around freely on his own. But he he's still incredibly cute. Like <laughs> the, the trailers like kind of spoiled it a little bit, but oh my god, he's so cute. <laughs> yes, and he, he, the intro. I guess I, I mean I saw something on Facebook a couple of days ago. Uh, James Gunn did the mocap for Baby Groot, his dance. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome because like they, there was like a video put up of him dancing about, just like doing like a random dance, and then like you see like it flash up, and you're like, oh, that's the identical exact same dance that Baby Groot does in like the beginning of uh, of Guardians too. Like that's amazing. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's not exact the mocap, but like it's. It's clearly that he's made this kind of random. It's kind of a carefree dance that he's made up to to go into the movie. And it, I think it's awesome that like Groot's continuing that thing on where he's like dancing because you never saw that in like Guardians One, like when he was uh, when he was big Groot, he wasn't like dancing or anything like that. He didn't seem to have that kind of like thing in his personality. He was not like one hundred percent serious, but he was not like like doing any weird stuff like that's like very carefree mm. so i think i think it's like it's kind of interesting to see that he's kind of a slightly different character even than, than in the first movie it, i think they, they've said it's like sort of a very different group like it, it's kind of the same like 
sentience, but it's warped a little bit into like sort of as you would like with a different generation of like a tree because he's like a sapling of the original tree because the original tree obviously sort of died in the, in the first movie. This is kind of more like his kid than the same group. Yeah, and they haven't really gone into it because obviously the Groot in the comics when he does the sapling thing, uh, he still retains all his memories and intelligence mm. and all of that. Uh, in this one... It seems like he might have some of his memories, but uh, has regressed. Yeah, I mean, he certainly seems to like know his tie to Rocket anyway, because he's still very like close with Rocket. So, but it'll be interesting to see if they play that a bit more as like uh, as we see him grow up going forward. Because mm-hmm. obviously we've seen we've seen him at a very like different stage of his aging than we saw him in the in the first movie. But yeah, Baby Groot incredibly cute, and the dance was uh, just brilliant. Uh, so the Guardians are now like basically renowned heroes uh, uh, from the last movie when they defeated uh, Ronan, uh, the the accuser. Um, so we discover that they've accepted this job from uh, High Priestess Aisha, who is the leader of this uh, sort of xenophobic, gold-skinned people called the the Sovereign. Who they they remind me of like the, uh, the I think it's the Church of Truth or something like that in the Marvel comics. What was that? The 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 sovereign. That's the the people yeah. in the movie. The, yep. I think it's the Church of Truth or something like that. They were something called like, like yep. yeah, and and it was in like one of the the newer Guardians books, where they they got involved with this like, uh, what was it? It was an arc, and there was, there was these kind of like weird golden people that had this really weird uh, sort of uh, civilization going on. Very strange people, and it seems to definitely be the the case here as well. Um, so basically what they have to do is they have to uh, defend these uh, space batteries, as I call them. What was it? The, they called them the uh, the Analux space batteries, which I don't know what the batteries are, but they're just they seem to be the MacGuffin for this movie. Yeah, they're for some reason. Apparently they're sought after. They're worth lots of credits and. Somebody's coming to steal. Some uh, alien entity is trying to come to steal them, and uh, the sovereign doesn't want them to get them for whatever reason. Yeah. So the the sovereigns like, I mean, I assume that they've created them or hold of them or whatever, and they want to use them for their own purposes. Cool. It's fine. Use your magic batteries to power your magic ship or whatever. Um, but yeah, so they they want the Guardians to protect these batteries from this interdimensional monster, which is called the the Abelisk. Um and it looks kind of like a giant octopus thing. Yeah. Which is uh, which is very cool. But I mean, we, we kind of I, I think they really spoiled this whole thing by like having it in the trailer. However, I'm glad that they spoiled this bit rather than like other bits of the movie because they kind of like front loaded a lot of the stuff that was in the the trailer into uh, sorry that uh, that was in the like first part first half say of the movie into the trailers. So the second half is really like mostly unknown from the trailers, which is is this good. Was, like created just for the trailers and to show pe- and to take to the talk shows. Hmm. Without spoiling anything that actually has much, I mean, 
Well, it sets up a piece of the movie, which mm. in, we should probably move through this a little quicker. Basically, they uh, Drax can't shoot it, so he jumps down its throat. And this is the scene where you see him with the knives trying to cut it from the inside. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is so funny. Yes, it's, it's hilarious, and it was funny in the trailers. And then uh, uh, Gamora fires some weapon or an arrow doesn't she resort back to arrows uh do you know, i can't remember it does edit <laughs> i don't really have it noted down here but it, it, she she fires like a weapon at it and does they do manage to destroy this piece and defend the batteries um and the basically their payment from the from the sovereign is the is what they were uh what they were after for doing this they've obviously like come here to the sovereign and been like Oh, we want to get this thing off you, and the Sorens went. Well, okay, you can have this if you do this for us. So, and what the uh, what the thing that the Sovereign have is the Sovereign have uh, Nebula as a as a captive. Yep. Uh, so they they captured her following the the sort of Battle of Xandar in the last movie. Um. And so now the Guardians get her back, and in amongst this, Rocket also steals quite a number of the Analog's batteries for himself. <laughs> As you do. Like, oh, we protect your batteries from uh, this giant space octopus thing, but, like, we might just pinch a few for ourselves, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> as we do. Scoundrels. As Rocket will do. Yes. And, and I think he did this without really anyone else knowing that he did it. He just, like, was like, yeah, I'm just going to cause havoc here. Like, okay, Rocket. <laughs> Thanks for that. So the, the Sovereign uh, do discover this, and they, they start chasing the, the, the Milano when they head off. Um, they use this fleet of what they call golden drones, right? Which which are pretty cool. Like I, I don't know if you noticed this, but like they're all well. I mean, you you would, but they're all like piloted remotely from people like in the main sort of mm-hmm. uh, sovereign ship. Um, so there's no danger to them at all. They're they're just like drones Girls. being piloted, like, kind of like a video game, what? like which I thought was pretty cool. Well, it was a it was a throwback, and I think a. Uh kind of a send-up to the arcades of the 80s. Absolutely, yep. Because it was like everybody was at their machine, There were, uh, and, you know, as people died, it was game over for them. And then, uh, you know, the, obviously uh, Rocket and Star-Lord are maneuvering the Milano uh, to avoid them and knocking out a ton of them. Uh, and Drax is hanging out the back at the end of this scene. Mm, yeah. On a rope, ta- <laughs> uh, taking out a bunch of them as well, and um, you know, as as they die, everybody goes and ends up basically at the wizards or you know, the arcade wizards uh, booth, watching him go for the high score because he's the only one left in the <laughs> game. And it, it, so, yes, it, it was very much uh, reminiscent of somebody like going for. You know the high score of Donkey Kong at your local mm. arcade uh, yep. in the eighties, which which I think I think is very deliberate because like James Gunn mm. is like quite big into his video games and has been like since his youth, so he would have he would have been through these things, I'm sure, and, and that's mean, definitely what he's put in there. There's so many eight seventies and eighties references. I mean, from the soundtrack, which we'll maybe comment on at the end. Um, throughout the movie 
throughout both movies. I mean, mm. these things, you know, uh, as somebody that grew up in the the seventies and eighties, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here that just harkens back to uh, when I was a kid. Mm. And yep. he's go, and that's the vibe he's been going for in both of these movies. Yep. Hundred percent. Um. So, so as part of this, the the Milano does get badly damaged, and like like you say, Drax is hanging at the back of it and everything like that. But by the end of this, um, but the uh, the Sovereign Fleet does get destroyed almost like single handedly by a guy that just appears. This is this guy Ego just appears on standing on top of his own ship, like in space, very like. Uh, it was kind of like he was riding the ship, <laughs> like a really strange, like a sort of cosmic space whale, and it just like takes out all of these sovereign ships that are left. You're like, okay, this guy is unbelievably powerful, like for one, and like, and how the hell is he breathing in space, and he's not wearing like a space suit or anything like that? That was my two questions that I had from that. But yeah, the the uh, the Milano does get badly damaged and has to crash land on basically the nearest uh, the nearest planet. Um, and and amongst that, like Ego did reveal as well that he's like Peter Quill's father. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just saving your life, and by and by the way, I'm your dad. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so when they've crash landed, Ego comes down, and we we meet Mantis for the first time in here as well. Who I thought I thought it was like really well done, but I do think she should have been green. Agreed, but with the fact that a uh, Drax looks green from time to mm-hmm. time. Even though they say he's gray, he looks green to me. Um, yep, he looks green. I don't know. Is he like that uh, dress from a couple of years ago? Uh, <laughs> because he, I, he looks green. And then you have, uh, what's her name? No, Gamora. Gamora, yeah. Who, who is definitely green. Yep, 100%. So maybe, you know, too many green. I, I kind of agree with the idea that it's just too many green characters. Hmm. But I mean, you've got more than one blue character, so. But because you've got Yondu and Nebula both blue. Okay, so the limits t- two of each color. <laughs> but I mean, if they say Drax is grey, then you can have two green women in the same <laughs> like movie, you know? Like, come on. <laughs> I, think, so I would rather she was green. I but think so from it. a marketing perspective, it was the right thing to do. Hmm. Probably was. But I can still bitch about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so they they come down onto the planet, and uh, Ego and Peter have a bit of a chat and whatnot. And Ego eventually invites uh, Peter to return to his home planet with him, uh, along with Gamora and Drax, whilst they leave uh, Rocket and Groot back on this planet to repair the Milano and guard Nebula. Now I thought this was a bit of a weird one because you're taking like your sort of main team. Main guys out and leaving like, I mean Rocket. Yeah, okay, Rocket is like badass, but Groot can't really do very much at this point. Like he's just a baby, so you're really even really Rocket in charge of fixing a ship as well as guarding Nebula at the same time. It was a bit of a mistake, I felt. Well, Rocket is kind of Groot's guardian, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just thought they should have left one more there with them, just to deal with any eventualities. I would have thought like Nebula would, uh, sorry, not Nebula. I would have thought Gamora would have wanted to stay with Nebula. It was weird that she went with uh, with Peter and Drax. Well, 
That's because she she and uh, Peter have that thing that isn't a thing going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, meanwhile, uh, Aisha, the head of the Sovereign, uh, hires Yondu and the Ravagers um, to essentially recapture the Guardians. And in amongst this, we do find out that uh, Yondu has been exiled from the uh, the Ravager community for uh, basically for doing something he shouldn't have. <laughs> he was trafficking and, and I- children. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't remember that I said that at this point, but like, yeah, we we do find out um, that it was for trafficking children, which sounds terrible, but we'll, we'll circle back to that later on. Um, now hold it, so yeah. there is the best scene of the entire goddamn movie in <laughs> here, because I don't remember the name of the planet, but it's some type of uh, drunken brawler planet. Yeah, it's like basically the it's the congregation of the Ravagers. I can't remember the name of the planet, but it's it's where the Ravagers sort of hang out. And there's bars and whatnot. And right there, the greatest character of Marvel character of all time shows up once again. We have our Howard moment. <laughs> yes. Howard is in and a brothel. Yes. Of course he is. It's fucking so Howard. It's, it's in a like what, saying, have you ever done it with a duck or something to that? Effect? <laughs> and it's like, yes! Howard! <laughs> and, and, you know, I didn't know he was in it until I saw it, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it was awesome. It was uh, kept secret this time, which mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't been spoiled for me last time. Mm. I was hoping, yeah. you, know, I was, mm. you know, I was hoping, I was praying... I was, you know, I I heard there wasn't a Howard the Duck end scene this time. I was like, oh man, it's because they put him in the real movie. <laughs> He's even more canon now than he was in the last yes. movie. I mean, come on. <laughs> but but yeah, and in amongst that as well, we did get to meet uh, Sylvester Stallone's character. Yep. Who is fuck, I forgot his name. Star Strakar. Strakar, yes, yeah, yeah. something like that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce it, but he's basically uh, uh, what what's he called in the comics? Star Starhawk. Starhawk, yeah. He, so he he basically Guardians. Yeah, from like the year three thousand or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he he's essentially the one that exiles Yondu from the uh, from the Ravagers. Uh, well, Yondu and his Ravager crew, effectively. Um, for the trafficking of the the kids. Now, um, what uh, you didn't you said you found that scene hard to understand between those two. I don't remember saying that. No, was, uh, maybe it wasn't you. Like between uh, Sylvester Stallone and Michael Rooker. No. No. Some somebody somebody like I, I thought it was you, but maybe not. Um, somebody said to me that they found it difficult to understand them, uh, because of the way they they both kind of speak with that sort of drawl. Like Michael Rooker and, and Sylvester Stallone, like they felt that that scene should have had subtitles, but I didn't feel that way. I thought it was fine. <laughs> well, Sylvester Stallone is tough to understand, and it's not a drawl he has. It's he just the way he speaks, mumbles. Like... I mean, yo, hey, yo, Adrian, uh, uh, <laughs> he kind of talks like he has a mouthful of marbles, you know. Um... <laughs> but, I mean, that's just his thing. That's his shtick. Yeah. He's had that for like <laughs> since the beginning of his acting career, oh, like yeah. since Rock One. So, like, he you don't expect anything else from him. 
I mean, the, but, the like, scary he, thing is he's actually a really intelligent dude. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote I, Rocky. I, I mean, it, it's not like he yeah. just starred in it. He wrote the goddamn thing. But, I mean, he, like, as, as well, he fitted this character really well. Like, it mm. kind of reminded me a little bit of his Judge Dredd character, but a, lo- but a lot less kind of serious. Yeah. And he certainly looked the part as well. Um, anyway, um, Yondu's crew do go on and track down the, the Milano on this planet, and after some real hijinks, <laughs> which uh, was an awesome little kind of battle, basically the Ravagers against Rocket. <laughs> I think this was the be- probably the best scene of the the entire movie. Yeah, because, I mean, he set up, like, a bunch of traps and stuff, and it, do you know what it reminded me a little bit of? Um, Return of the Jedi... Where the Ewoks and stuff have set up the like little traps and they're like going up at these little cute furry like bear things going up against the evil Empire army and managing to beat them. I mean, Rocket certainly doesn't quite manage to beat them here because he's on his own, but he puts up a damn good fight. I'll I'll go, I'll do you one better, and it kind of ties to this movie. Rambo. Rambo, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that as well, yeah, and it. This is the scene that made me think, yes, a Rocket a rocket and Groot movie might work. You know, mm, there's talk, yeah. I mean, uh, what's his name wants to, Bradley Cooper wants to do a Rocket movie. Um, I think, I think, you know, some type of Rocket spinoff, I would kind of hope Groot would be along, but. Uh, I, I think it, would expect, I think it's though. I think it's doable. I think mm. it'd be expensive because it'd be a hundred percent CG. But mm. yeah, I mean, I mean, they do use like stand-in pieces for for them when they're in scenes with other characters. But yeah, for for sure, there's a lot of CG, a lot of amazing CG. Like because mm. those characters on screen, like you believe that they're there a hundred percent, which is a real, like, testament to both the actors that are in the scenes with them and, like, the animators that have uh, done the CG on them because it is absolutely outstanding. Because you don't even, for, like, one second question, like, oh, that's... You don't even think of it, like, being CG, which is the probably the best compliment you could ever give to, like, a CG artist. Like, oh, I didn't even notice your CG. They're like, amazing, my job is done here. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was just... Uh... Uh, an incredible job, and I would probably say my favorite scene in the movie. Yep. I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite scene, but there's, there's definitely one later on that I think is my favorite. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great scene. So the, 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 the Ravagers managed to capture Rocket, Nebula, and, uh, and Groot, and they get their batteries as well. So uh, basically the Ravagers... And Yondu specifically wants to just go and give the batteries back to uh, the Sovereign to sort of fulfill their their obligation to them. Um, and he doesn't want to turn over uh, Peter Quill. I don't think he cares about anyone else particularly, but he doesn't want to turn over uh, Star-Lord to the, cel- to the Sovereign. And some of the other Ravagers kind of take, uh, not offence to this, but they, uh, they disagree with this. So uh, one of the guys, uh, Taserface, Leads a mutiny with some help from uh, from Nebula. Who, uh, Taserface? Managed... That's really your name? <laughs> Taserface? <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> it's a terrible name. Like, why would you call yourself that? I mean, oh my god. <laughs> Give yourself a better name. That's that was hilarious. Yeah, it was. That whole scene was so funny. Um, but yeah, Nebula tricked Groot into freeing her because Groot's nice and very naive at this point because he's a baby. Um, and then the uh, so the Ravagers are like basically take over the ship and imprison uh, Yondu with uh, Rocket and Groot. Uh, now uh, back on uh, back on Ego's planet, uh, Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, and. Ego, along with Mantis, um, kind of explore the planet a little bit, and we discover that it's like the, the planet is essentially a living planet, and he reveals that the, the planet is like an extension of his own, own body, and Ego reveals that he is a he's not just like a normal man, as we obviously knew from his uh, space-faring antics like <laughs> when he was introduced. Um, he explains that he's a he's actually a godlike being called a celestial. Which is interesting because the Celestials we know from the uh, the the six one six universe in the comics, and we've already seen a Celestial in the MCU as well, um, because the uh, the place nowhere that was in the first movie, which is is like a city, is in the severed head of a Celestial. Isn't Dormammu uh, considered a Celestial as well? Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure if they. They ever come out and said that in in this universe, but he he could be. I mean, he's certainly a bad fucking dude. <laughs> See, he probably is. Yeah, yeah, he probably is. Mm, actually, no. I I actually I think he's a level below celestial status. Oh. Yeah, because eternity would be. Yeah, I don't think Doramo is. No. Okay. Sorry. So, like, and Eternity is one one of the other ones that is slice too. And it does Eternity does get name dropped in amongst us here, but it's more of a kind of like throwaway reference than uh, than anything else. Um, so yeah, basically, Ego explains that he uh, created this human avatar to travel the galaxy and interact with other species, and he does show uh, Peter in amongst us that he created his avatar to be kind of like the father figures that Peter Quill always wanted and he shows a, he changes at one point into the the Hoff. <laughs> yeah, Peter Quill's biggest mistake, but okay. <laughs> the, of the, what of liking the Hoff? Yes. You you need to love the Hoff. Uh, I <laughs> you, I love that old PlayStation game Pain. Mhm. Where uh uh, the idea is you have a, sling, a slingshot, and the idea is to sling a person and bounce them off buildings and cars mm-hmm. and everything and cause as much damage to him and uh, the environment as possible for score. And one of the downloadable characters was the Hoff. I played that yep. forever. <laughs> Just do, doing totally uh, insane things to the Hoff. And that game was actually a lot of fun. So it was that game was a lot of fun. So, anyways, yeah, I was like, I mean, yes, the Hoff is basically the uh, embodiment of everything that was cheesy about the eighties and nineties, in my opinion. 
Yeah, he's like an eighties, nineties meme at this point, and like him showing up here is like a hundred percent like a meme. Mm. Like, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was intended in that way, but it it was really funny. I thought because I didn't expect that either. It was just one of these things that just like happens in the movie. And you're like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Like, of course they would do that, but you just you wouldn't expect them to, and it just coming out of nowhere and like again and not being spoiled by like internet and stuff like that beforehand was a cool like thing to see in the movie well, see, i don't I think heard the hoff was in the movie okay i see i didn't i didn't know and i, I think oh, go ahead i'll let you finish. i was gonna say like I, I thought that this this joke fell a little bit flat on on my daughter because <laughs> she didn't know who he is she's like oh <laughs> well once again this i mean this is a send up to everything that uh, James Gunn uh, experienced as a child. You know, I mean, he grew up, he, he's, I think he's my age, um, which means he's fucking old people. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, you know, uh, my, when I had heard that the Hoff was in it, I had heard like it was a rumor that he was going to be one of the, the Guardians, uh, the original <laughs> Guardians or Ravagers. I refuse to call them the Ravagers. They're the original Guardians. Um, and I figured he was just going to be another one of them. Same thing with, well, we knew Nathan Fillion was supposed to be Wonder Man. Um, but yeah, I just figured the Hoff was going to be uh, another Ravager. Because hmm. uh, what's his name? L- Luther from Smallville. What's his name, Andy? Um, Michael Rosenbaum. There we go. Is Martin X, mm-hmm. which is the crystal guy. J- James Gunn is fifty. I just checked though. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm forty nine <laughs> and a half. <laughs> so you've gone beat. You've gone beat. <laughs> uh, so it's so, so uh, you know. I I figured the Hoff was just going to be another one of the Ravagers, and I was like, all right. I mean, you got to remember. The Hoff has played a Marvel character. Yep. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And someday we have to find that movie and do an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast on it. Well, I think that's the... the, When we uh, find out in Avengers Infinity War that all the (laughs) characters are the same and we have unlimited content, we have to go back and cover all those movies and all those old Captain America series from the 1940s or whatever it was. I can't wait to watch those, Chip. Mm. <laughs> it's all canon now. Oh my god! Imagine that. So, uh, but like, but yeah, we will do that at some point with that next Fury movie. Yeah, we should try and figure that out sometime this summer, I guess. But, um, anyways, so yes, uh, we're we're spending way too much time on the Hoff. Let's move on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, Peter Quill also finds out that he can access and manipulate the power within Ego's planet as well. So he, I, I can't remember what he does. He does not make a he makes a tree grow or something like that a little bit. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but like he's got he's got more power than what he assumed, and and like it's kind of speculated that this is why he was able to hold the uh, the Infinity Gem. Because he has a little bit of a power of the celestial power in him, because his father's a celestial, effectively. Um, and and Drax starts to become kind of friendly with Mantis, who he does 
he does call her incredibly ugly. He says like she's one of the ugliest people that he's ever met, and all this. You're like, this is harsh, Drax. Like, come on. <laughs> this is this is another great scene because once first of all, I think we need to explain the ego's planet. It is something out of psychedelic sixties mm. movie style. I mean, Mantis is wearing something that you would see in probably um, a what what a girl in a Beatles video in 1967 would be wearing. It's it, it's very 60s retro esque. You know, it's a mini skirt basically. Um, the the decor of the area where they're at, where they're talking to Mantis and she explains who she is and how her powers work. And, uh, you know, uh, the fact that Peter has feelings for Gamora and this and that and the other thing. And Gamora, yeah, she tries to touch Gamora and Gamora threatens to kill her. Um, (laughs) this was a great scene. And yes, this is when Drax is also saying that he finds Mantis incredibly ugly. Yeah, <laughs> which is a shame because I mean, like as like bug-eyed alien aliens go, she's not that bad. No, she she's. I mean, if you can get beyond the antenna thing, I guess. Hmm. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, but he's and, and he's trying to be. He, he's saying that he's ugly, but he's being nice. About, he's trying to tell her. Well, he's blunt about it, but it's not like he's doing it with any malice. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's just Drax, you know. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really have this concept of uh, not right and wrong. But he doesn't have like he doesn't have any tact. (laughs) He lacks any tact at all. Exact (laughs) word. And I mean, in the first movie, they they played this off as like him being incredibly literate. Where like nothing can go over his head, and because he's too fast, <laughs> like that's all thing. Catch it. But yeah, in this one, he's just he has absolutely no tax at all, or like he doesn't have a lot of good social skills, shall we say? Right. But he's still a big, lovable oaf. <laughs> yes, and and, I think and he's even a, big, be... a bigger. I think he's even more lovable this time. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And to be to be fair, uh, these portrayals of Drax, like in the first movie and in this one, are far far better than the way he's portrayed in in the comic books. Because in the comic books, he's just an absolutely stupid guy. Like they just portray him as being completely and utterly thick. And it's kind of a shame because like people like almost like poke fun at him in the comic books for being sh- like so stupid, um, and he doesn't even notice. But in, in this, it's kind of like it, they play off as like part of his character, and it, it makes him um, more more likable, I think, because of it. And nobody really makes fun of him for it either. No. It's Maybe the odd time Rocket. Drags. Yeah, but uh, but everyone makes fun of Rocket as well. So. Um, and we do also see that she wants. T- she like plans to reveal a secret about uh, ego to to Drax as well. She's kind of something's not quite right in amongst this either. There's something a bit funky going on, and uh, she seems to want to reveal it to to Drax. Uh, now back over with the uh, the Ravager guys, we see that uh, Taserface is imprisoned. Rocket 
and Yondu aboard uh, the Ravager ship, which is called the Eclector. Um, and he basically turns Groot into a mascot for the crew. <laughs> and he gives him like the cute little Ravager outfit and all this, which was which was pretty cool. Um, and uh, they do let Nebula leave uh, because she helped them like gain control of the of the ship. So she takes like like a small ship um, in order for her to go and track down and try to kill Gamora, who she obviously blames for, uh, basically for her cybernetic enhancements, which were uh, given to her by Thanos. And it, it is interesting that when we find out like how that all came about, and basically it's like any time when they, they were fighting, Whoever lost, who had like a part of them chopped off and replaced with like a, effectively like a bit of robotics, and Gamora always won. So <laughs> Nebula is just like uh, absolutely chopped up to pieces and has had all these cybernetic parts uh, put onto her, and it's all Gamora's fault. So she's a bit angry with her. Understandably, yeah, she's got a bit of a complex about it, but you know, like I mean, she like. It wasn't Gamora that actually like chopped off her, like her, her body parts. It was Thanos, <laughs> or somebody doing Thanos's bidding anyway. Uh, so whilst they're imprisoned, uh, Rocket and Yondu discover that they're actually quite alike, and uh, Yondu like tells Rocket a bit about Ego because he knows Ego and knows who he is and whatnot. And it turns out that originally uh, Ego had hired uh, Yondu's Ravager crew to deliver. Uh, Peter to Ego after Peter's mother had died and he tells Rocket that he decided to keep Peter safe basically in his own way and like bring him into the Ravager crew instead of handing him over to Ego uh, whilst that's gone uh, and Groot uh, tries to steal uh, Yondu's new sort of prototype fin for his arrow <laughs> in order to aid their uh, escape attempt and uh, he's also helped by uh, Kraglin, who's played by James Gunn's brother, who's I thought was a bit more in this movie because he was only in it very sparingly in the last one. So he's coming to a bit of a bigger role here. Uh, and together, uh, Rocket, Groot, Yondu, and Kraglin managed to escape in one of the sort of detachable sections of the ship. Um, and they do, uh, and then they sort of they go on a. Uh, they they go on this like mad crazy adventure to uh, get to Ego's planet in time to help uh, Peter because they've all they've obviously at this point discovered that Ego is not quite all he says he is. Um, well, I, you're jumping over a big part, which and I mean it was it was, it was a large part of the movie actually in the fight uh, to get the ship back, and this was awesome because yes, this is where. Um, Kraglin comes in and basically becomes uh, part of the cast hmm. as, a, as a, you know, a quote-unquote Ravager slash Guardian. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a great fight scene with and watching Yandu uh, use his arrow to basically wipe out the entire uh, mutiny crew. I mean, he kills, what, like 50 people with that uh, arrow? Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> I mean, this is an impressive scene. Yes. So, 
Uh, and when when they are escaping as well, they uh, they do sort of blow up a good chunk of the ship, mm-hmm. and uh, Taserface does get killed in this explosion, but not before he uh, tells the the sovereign about what's happened with Yondu, and uh, like sort of phones back to him and says, "Oh, please uh, get Yondu and tell them, tell them that Taserface sent you." <laughs> But yeah, you're right. It was it was a cool, it was a cool scene. Um, we we then see Nebula arriving at Eagle's planet and trying to kill Gamora. Um, Gamora does survive, and Nebula crashes her ship and whatnot. And they they kind of come to a sort of uneasy truth about it. And uh, together they sort of explore the caverns beneath uh, Eagle's planet and discover hundreds of skeletons. Yes. which is very disconcerting in this. A very picturesque, beautiful world. And um, think, like, do you know what it actually reminds me of? Like something out in No Man's Sky. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like this is like mad, really weird world that's getting mashed together and doesn't quite feel real. <laughs> and it's very beautiful on the surface, but there's some really bad shit lurking underneath it. Uh, either bad programming or loads of bodies. <laughs> But yeah, um, so they find all these skeletons, and uh, Ego refuses kind of master plan to uh, Peter at this point. Uh, basically, he's travelled the universe and planted seedlings onto thousands of worlds that would sort of terraform them into new extensions of Ego. But he needed a second Celestial's power in order to activate these seedlings. So essentially, what he did is he conceived children with hundreds of women all across the galaxy. And then hired Yondu and his Ravager crew to go around collecting them when it was time. And every other child was uh, was killed when by uh, Ego when they when he discovered that they were unable to provide access to the celestial power. But Peter Quill can harness the power as we've seen already in the movie, and uh, as we saw when he uh, when he was uh, holding the Infinity Gem. And I assume that that's when Ego sort of became aware of him and went, oh, uh, this is the guy that I need to go and get. This is clearly my child. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get him and bring him into this. Um, so, yeah, uh, so Ego, um, Ego wants to... He uses him to start to try to activate all the seedlings, which sort of begins their terraforming that will eventually consume every world and every person. And this is his thing of like he's kind of trying to reboot the universe into just being him. <laughs> That's it. Like everything is ego, and I mean, like ego has a massive ego. He's yes. a very high opinion of himself. He, he is called ego for a reason. Yes, he has one. <laughs> but um, P- Peter doesn't quite see this, and he's kind of hypnotized by ego's power uh, until the point where he. Where Ego reveals that he deliberately caused the death of uh, of Peter's mother, which kind of flips a switch in in Peter's head because he does he reveals that he gave uh, Peter's mother cancer, which is like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> I mean, he didn't need to do that. That is just absolutely heartless. What reveal it or say uh, or oh the fact that he did it did in the it. first place. Well, he yeah. says he did it because if he didn't, he would have gone back and lived with her and just been a normal person, I guess. But he would have been happy. <laughs> like, he seemed happy. Well, I don't know. But, but anyway, he's, he wants to do this thing where he takes over the whole universe. So, okay. But uh, so Peter starts to kind of fight back to him, uh, fight back against him at this point. 
Um, Mantis, meanwhile, informs uh, Gamora, Drax, and Nebula about Ego's plan just as uh, Rocket, Groot, Yondu, and Kraglin arrive. So uh, the Guardians then reunite and uh, fight their way through a fleet of sovereign drones that also arrive now as they, they know the, the location of, uh, of Yondu and whatnot. Um, as well as Ego himself to reach the sort of core of Ego's planet where this like big sort of thick shell protects Ego's Ego's brain, which is essentially like the the very, very core of the planet. Um Groot plants a uh, a bomb in inside this, uh, which is made from the the stolen sovereign batteries that we that we saw at the beginning of the movie, the, the MacGuffin for this movie. And uh if you remember, we we kind of saw this a wee bit in the the trailer with a uh, little baby group running off with this detonator for the, this bomb <laughs> and not being sure what button to press and all this, which was very very funny. Now which button do you? No, no, not that. <laughs> not the kill us all button. Oh my god! <laughs> Actually, one of the exclusives for San Diego Comic Con this year hmm? is um, it's a statue of Groot. With the detonator, and oh, trying nice. to decide which button to hit, mm. I ordered one. Oh, cool! <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, like that would be awesome. Yeah, like that'd be really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, so most of the uh, the guardians escape, um, whilst uh, Peter Quill sort of remains to battle his father using his access to ego celestial power. Uh, now, there's some really cool like scenes in amongst us, like the, them battling and whatnot, and. My, I think my personal like favorite bit is like when uh, when Yondu comes down. He's like when he's floating down with his sort of umbrella thing. Oh yeah. And uh, and Peter says like, "Oh, you're like Mary Poppins." Poppins. And <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> like I don't know who that is, but yeah, okay, I'm Poppins. <laughs> oh, Mary freaking Poppins! It's become an internet <laughs> Wait, meme. It totally has, yeah, and and like it was such a cool scene, and like you just wouldn't expect somebody like this kind of badass, especially as Yondu's been in this movie, to like be saying like that he's Mary Poppins because Mary Poppins is like kind of a kind of naff, <laughs> especially when you think back to like the the movie that was out years ago. You're like, yeah, that is, well, <laughs> but he does look a little bit like Mary Poppins, like floating mm-hmm. down like this, mm-hmm. and, and it was so funny. <laughs> Really well done, and and there's they've done like a few things with this now where they've like people have made up like versions of uh, Mary Poppins with like Yondu in it and all this, which is incredibly funny. I've toyed with getting a T-shirt or two. Mm. He's also become uh, the basically the patron saint of Father's Day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get into like all that all that in a minute. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the 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 bomb does uh, does eventually explode, and uh, Ego dies, and the planet starts to sort of starts to collapse. Um, and Yondu goes like back in and pulls Peter out effectively, and uh, does end up like sacrificing himself to keep Peter Quill safe, because um, basically because he's come to view him as like an adopted son, and that's totally like the relationship that they have had when you actually think back about it. Um, that he he essentially brought him up from when he was mm-hmm. that kid being abducted by the the alien to like the point where he betrayed Yondu and went off on his own. Like he was like his his father, and uh, that was him like going through his rebellious teenage phase and breaking away. But 
Yondu still has like immense like love and respect in that forum. So it's really interesting to see that kind of come full circle and uh, and to see the extent of their actual relationship here. And uh, like how you saved him was he he had like one of those uh, face the face mask thing. Mm-hmm. He put that on on Peter rather than himself and like gave him like a, a sort of booster pack to be able to to scoot away. And it was it was a real sad moment like when it when he died. Right. And I wasn't expecting it because I thought because they were introducing these other guardians in the movie, especially because we saw one of them like earlier on in, in the movie and whatnot. I thought that we were going to see like an old school guardians team up involving Yondu, and, and it's a shame that we won't really get to see that. Yeah, there. I mean, he could come back. Part of Infinity War could bring him back, but all right, they could. Yeah, I mean, they could. They I mean, Infinity War, but... anything. I don't think they will. I think that's like a big death, and uh, James Gunn seems like the sort of guy that would like make a death like that, especially one that has like extra meaning because of the the depth of the relationship. Like, I think that sort of death would stick. Mm-hmm. It's like it would be like it would be like bringing back Uncle Ben, like that sort of thing. Like, it's just one of those things that like, you shouldn't do it. No. Anyway, um, uh, so. So yeah, um, later on, uh, Nebula kind of reconciles with Gamora, but uh, then chooses to leave the Guardians anyway. Um, and the Guardians give Yondu this traditional Ravager funeral by releasing a string of fireworks. Um, and they, they didn't think that like he was going to get this whole full Ravager funeral because the, none of their Ravagers were seemed to be going to come to the to the funeral because uh, he'd been like exiled as a Ravager essentially. But when uh, What's the what? What's the rest of those characters now again? Crack? No, not not Craglin. Craig. Uh, uh, Ego. Sylvester Stallone's oh, character. Oh, Starcar, Starhawk. Starhawk. Yeah. So when when he found out like about what Yondu had done and whatnot, uh, he had essentially like un <laughs> unbanished him as a Ravager, and uh, him and a bunch of the other Ravager ships showed up to pay their respects to to, Yon, to Yondu as well, and give him like a full Ravager funeral, which was which was kind of nice. Um, and and then we get to the the post credit scenes. All all five of them, which is probably the most post credit scenes a movie has ever had. Yeah, but. I would say most of them were they, they were interesting at to, to say the very least. Yeah, I think they were really interesting. I do, I do think that at least one of them should have done a bit more to like further on the story and set up things for the next movie. But that's been well, they did. They they kind of did, yeah. But I mean, I think that's been very. It would be me being very nitpicky. Oh, I, I want to just double back one second because I kind of skipped over a bit earlier on um, when. Uh, Groot and Rocket were traveling to Eagle's planet. They went through like a bunch of like uh, sort of warp jumps, uh, and in amongst that, they visited like an absolute shit ton of planets. Like I think they said they had to do like six hundred jumps or something to to get to the uh, to get to the planet quickly. And we didn't see all of these jumps, but we did see like a few. And, and it was a very funny scene as well, where like they're having stretched faces and everything like that, which was mm. uh, absolutely hilarious. But we did see like a few planets where there were like things going on on the on the surface. One of them was uh, one of the it was one of the uh, race that uh, what's the guy's name? I think it's Korg, um, who's in uh, Planet Hulk, one of Hulk's sort of comrades in, in Planet Hulk. 
uh, one of his race is like battling uh, on one of these kind of weird moons. And we also see a scene with some watchers. Yes, we do. Which was a massive reveal because, like, we didn't know that watchers were going to be in the movie. Like, that's huge because we weren't even sure that Marvel was allowed to use watchers. Because we didn't know what, like, who they belonged to. Did they belong to Marvel? Did they belong to Fox? Did the Fantastic Four license or what? So Mar- Marvel has at least the ability to use the Watchers. They might might not necessarily be able to use Utau, who's the kind of main one that you usually see with the six one six universe. But they can use the race of Watchers, and uh, also with the Watchers was none other than, than Stan Lee. Yes. <laughs> Who, who we're not quite sure because they haven't really they haven't really said whether he's uh whether he's actually a watcher, but they uh, they basically had him listed in the credits as uh, watcher informant. Have they done that in the past? Uh, no, no, no. Oh. In, the, in this movie, he was he was listed yeah as uh, as watcher informant. Okay. Yeah, which which might mean that he is like a watcher, maybe like a, just a lesser watcher. Don't don't know, but um. Um, it's also been revealed that uh, Stanley's character in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies is the same character. Yes, because he is in one of the post-credit scenes telling the Watchers about the time that he posed as a, a FedEx delivery man. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was uh, that was awesome, and just like bringing Stanley's cameos all together, because mm-hmm. uh, I mean we'd kind of just assumed that they were just like these throwaway things that just were in there. But for them actually to have greater meaning in the in the universe is really cool. And like especially for it to show up like this mm-hmm. along with the introduction of the watchers was absolutely awesome. Uh, so in the in the other post credit scenes we have uh we see Craglin taking up Yondu's like telekinetic arrow and uh, and his control fin and trying to uh, trying to master it. <laughs> and he he does end up like impaling Drax with it. <laughs> yep. But I mean, that kind of says to me that he's he's going to be like the new Yondu. Yeah, he's like in terms of the power set, anyway, which is cool. Uh, the so the uh, and the uh, the Ravagers also decide that so the, the kind of some of the other Ravagers also decide to like put their their team back together effectively. So this is uh, Stakar Ogord, which is the name of Sylvester Stallone's character, who is uh, Starhawk. And uh, Charlie Twenty Seven, Aleta Og- Ogord, uh, Mainframe Martinex, and, and Krugar. Yeah, I uh, decided to put their team back together. And there's also a cameo of Starkar's wife. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. Yeah, yeah, Aleta. I said that. Yeah, yeah, Aleta. Aleta. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, and when the two of them uh, do not get along. And Starhawk is formed by the two of them merging together. And not that way, people. But uh, <laughs> but uh, Starhawk is the amalgamation of the two of them together. Mm. And uh, there, was, uh, there was a thank you that I saw that I wanted to mention. Because uh, these were actually played by like recognizable actors. All of these guys. So, I mean, it's very, very yeah. possible that we might see these end up being... Like in a movie, isn't Ving Rhames Charlie Twenty Seven? Yes. Uh, yep. We already mentioned Michael Rosenbaum is uh, Martin X. Yep. Miley Cyrus was Mainframe. 
That's right, yep. Um, Aletta was somebody famous as well. Yeah, I, I can't remember who it was and... that played Tom. But, but yeah, like, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, whether, you know, you know, they're, they're already talking that, I guess he's already finished the first draft of the, of volume three. Um, hmm. and he's already saying that he might have to do some retcon, but, um, it's something minor though. It's something, uh, it is, he has to retcon something that was in one of the files from the first movie, volume one, mm-hmm. uh, when they're all caught and, uh, there's all that data on each of them. Yep. That's coming up on the screen. Something in that data he has to retcon. And I think that's absolutely fine to do that because, I mean, the the Nova Corps at that time might not have had a complete file on right. uh, on who, whoever it was about. I mean, they might have had, like, wrong information come from an informant or whatnot. So you could do that, like, no problem. Absolutely fine. So I, I don't even know that he necessarily needs to explain it, like, aside from to the, the fan base. Mm-hmm. Be like, yeah, that's because of this. And, like, he doesn't even need to, like, because if he starts trying to, like, stuff in the movie like a five minute scene explaining like why this was there and why it's different unless he does something really like clever and funny with it then it's just wasting the airtime i think so uh there's that and then uh well there's the the big one well there's also uh now we see teen groot yeah teen groot which was which was cool (laughs) so he's kind of he's kind of grown back to like person sort of size Small teenage person sort of size, and he's he's exhibiting sort of like teenage behavior, like sitting in his room and it's a mess, and there's leaves everywhere, which is hilarious because be and it smells. In and... Yeah, and I mean, like it's funny because like most like normal people like if they're going through what he's going through and growing up, and there's probably clothes that are lying about on his floor and just like general mess like that. But because he's a tree, he's got leaves. Yeah. I thought it was a great touch. And then there's I, the big stuff. And it's, it's also, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just wanted to mention okay. there that this is obviously like a little bit of time later, whether it's months or, or a couple of years or whatnot. So maybe this is like in line with sort of like Avengers uh, or Civil War 2016 time, maybe. Not sure. It depends how, uh, not quite sure how fast Groot grows, but let's, let's speculate that it would be 2016, 17 sort of time. Um, it's worth noting as well that Peter Quill now speaks Groot's language. Ah, okay. Because when Groot talks to him, like he understands what he's what he's talking about. So it's it's cool that that's that's going to be the case, and it'll be interesting to see how Groot like and how how the Avengers and whatnot react to Groot when they see him. Like he's a fucking talking tree. Like okay, because <laughs> I think they'll be fine with Rocket because he can speak and just like make fun of them and whatnot, and that's fine. They'll just go like, okay, that's weird, but yeah. But then there's this tree who only says, "I am Groot." But it, every time he says it, it means something different. Um, but yeah, so it'll be, be, it'll be cool to see what happens going on going forward with that. And then there is the the one other big scene. We did those a bit out of order, but I wanted to leave this one till last because it is the the most important one out of this. Um, so we do see uh, Aisha from the the beginning of the, the movie, the, the sort of leader of the Sovereign. We see her with a birthing machine sort of thing. And it's revealed that inside this is a man, which she's basically created, uh, who's called Adam. I shall call him Adam. 
Yes. And he's supposed to be the perfect specimen. Yes. Which is obviously the origin of uh, Adam Warlock. And I believe he was originally created by the Sovereign. It was something along these sort of lines anyway. It's it's close enough to be, yes. (laughs) But yeah, cool cool little tease for uh, probably Guardians 3, I would say. I don't think we'll see this in Infinity War. That is the plan. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to be in Infinity War. Um, So I think they've already confirmed that. So Mm. uh, overall, what did you think of the movie? Overall, I thought it, I thought it was very good. Um, I I do think the story in this movie was not as good as in the in the first movie. Um, that whole like the origin and, and everything in the first movie and the way the teams just kind of fell together and then dealt with the situation as it went on. This one was more like just like here's a mission that the Guardians went on and like shit happened and they they kind of they dealt formed with the it. Team. That's kind of the, no, no, the I, natural progression. No, no, I, I get that, but like, I just, I just wanted a bit more from it in terms of the story, um, and I didn't feel like because I mean the story was like there's a MacGuffin, the Guardians dealt with it, and then like they fell into like another adventure and and dealt with it, and that was it. Like I could, I can sum it up in two sentences, <laughs> you know, like that, that doesn't fill me with like, oh my god, that was like an amazing thing that I just saw, like. Civil War, like the big spectacle and uh, like all the the drama and stuff that happened. So it was more like a kind of visual spectacle than like a substance spectacle. Apart from the family dynamic, I thought they got they got so they did so well in this movie. And like giving like Yondu that like extra like importance to to Peter, and this w- was really well done. And like, and I mean, from for me, like if if you'd said to me at the start of like going into this movie before I watched it. Oh, Yondu's gonna die in this movie. But like, well, who cares? Yondu was a bit of a dick anyway. Like from seeing the first movie, but from having seen the second movie, you kind of like grow. You get a lot of empathy and you grow attached to Yondu. Um, and I like his death actually, yeah, like his death actually has like massive meaning by by the time you get to it because they did a real good job of like developing him as like a father figure mm-hmm. to Peter, and like especially juxtaposing him with this absolute dickhead that is his real father. Which is a, it's probably a really interesting social commentary. Well, and the other thing, I mean, he didn't just become a father figure to uh, Peter. He became a valued member of the Guardians. I mean, mm. he, you know, he uh, worked with worked with Rocket and Groot, and yep. reclaimed the ship and went to rescue Peter and Gamora and Drax <laughs> and. Uh, you know, he was, you know, he, he, he was a, you know, he basically redeemed himself and became uh, a valued member and cherished member of the team. And uh, I think in the first movie he was underused and yes, he was a dick. And in this movie, uh, he really came into his own and you can see so much potential and, um, I don't even like Michael Rooker because everything. I, every time I've seen him, he's been kind of just this bombastic douchebag. Mm. Uh, and I don't know if you know he might be the nicest guy in real life, but when I see him at conventions, he's a tool. Um, 
So I, I've heard it. I've heard it both ways. Like uh, I've heard some people say that he's been a tool, and some people say that like he's been the nicest guy ever. So I, I don't know. I mean, you can catch. Uh, you could say that about anybody on any given day. You know. So, you know, maybe you know, like well, like I said. So I, I didn't have a big. I wasn't a big fan, but then he, uh, you know. I, I was, I mean, I, w- I was t- horrified when, no, they're not really killing him. He's not really dead. And then the funeral scene, you know, uh, hit me hard. Um, so I, I really, and it's like, there's so much potential with that character and the chemistry and the dynamic between him and Rocket and Peter and, mm. w- w- you know, what they could have done with that. And then you have the whole uh, original Guardians uh, scenarios and dynamic. Mm. So uh, I'm not sure I agree with the way the movie ended. Uh, I like the first one better. I will agree with you there. Um, I enjoyed the story of this one. Um, It it wasn't as good. Uh, But... I think it was needed. I think it was needed hmm. to a uh, cement the family together, because, like they said, they're not friends; they're family, and uh, that that kind of became uh, the theme of the movie. Um, it's it, some of it is set up for the third. <laughs> the I think. Um, It wasn't as cohesive a story, I guess, is the best way to put it. But, mm. uh, you know, they went with some, you know, ego at, you know, uh, the idea that ego is is always like, you know, uh, a third or fourth tier villain in terms of popularity. You know, he's mm. nobody cares about ego. Um, but, you know, you can't you can't use Galactus. You can't use the scrolls. Um, you, you're developing the cosmic universe. You're, you're basically, uh, acknowledging the existence of the celestials, which allows you to go probably after another celestial or something. Um, you know, are they, are they going to say, are they going to save another, you know, the, the one thing I'm glad they didn't do is they didn't just rehash or reskin the first movie. This one is completely different. In terms of story, in terms of pacing, in terms of the adventure itself, so I think uh, you you have to give it that. Uh, they're not saving. Well, technically, they're saving the universe, but ba- basically, they're saving their own asses this time. Hmm. At by the end of the movie, you know that's what the end of the movie is. They have to destroy. In order for them to survive, they and the universe, they have to destroy ego. Um, and I, you know, can you destroy ego? Hmm. That's a good question. It's kind of like, can you destroy Ultron? Right. Um, so could we see ego back in infinity and, you know, he, you know, re what, you know, he reconstitutes himself out of like the particles that are left behind when he's exploded. Yeah. And does Peter have any of the residual power at all? I mean, supposedly he lost it all, but who knows? Um, so, 
but as as a movie overall, uh, I thought it was awesome. I mean, it was great to see these characters on the big screen again in another adventure. Uh, Baby Groot is the breakout star of 2017. Yep. <laughs> a merchant merchandise uh, juggernaut. I mean, I already have probably three or four Baby Groot t-shirts and nice uh, fun. You know, already a ton of Funko Pops and other uh, Baby Groot stuff. Uh, you know, I, I saw this movie with my wife. My six-year-old nephew, who we who didn't want to see it, I, his brother basically uh, bullied him into going. Actually, I found out he didn't tell him what movie he was going to until uh, okay. we were in the car, um, which scared, which worried me. I was like, mm. "Is this kid gonna freak out?" Uh, <laughs> he he abs- so the six-year-old absolutely loved the movie. His twelve-year-old mm. brother. Um, and it was funny. I said, well, if you want to go, he goes, well, I, I got to babysit uh, Gabe. I said, well, so you got to be home by noon? I said, well, if Gabe is willing to go to the movie, we can go to a later show than the mm. 9 o'clock in the morning show on a Saturday. Mm. So what he apparently he didn't tell his brother what movie he was going to see. He just <laughs> said, Uncle Chip's taking us to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably thinking, you're going to see, like, Moana or something like that, <laughs> like some nice Disney movie. Well, you know, I told him, I said, look, you're, he goes, well, you, you know, well, why don't you tell him? I said, no, you're the big brother. This is your job. <laughs> this is one of those big brother moments. So what did he do? He lied to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why not? I, I'm, sure, I'm, sure after, yeah, I'm sure he'll movie. thank him for it years down the line. <laughs> When he when when Gabe eventually takes over this show, people like, and it all started there. <laughs> and it was, uh, but you know, I I was just because he can be a little, I don't know, he's he's in my he he gets afraid of things, I guess. He's six, yeah. all right. But they yeah, took yeah, him yeah. to Rogue One. Yeah. It's like, okay. although I don't think he realized that that's a tragedy, and you know, everybody dies. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a few moments in like Guardians that are a bit kind of scary and unnerving and whatnot. And but I mean, like as long as you can, as long as the, the kids are old enough to go, okay, this is just like fake, you know, like it's just a movie, then then it's fine. But like like Marion was like, there was a couple of bits in it that were a bit like scary and whatnot. She's like turning her head away and all this, but for the most part, she's like watching it and lapping it all up and whatnot. Well, I especially think... like anything with Rocket and Groot in it. Yeah, Just and I think absolutely balling by doing the intro the way they did with the baby Groot, mm-hmm. uh, basically dancing to uh, was it ABC? I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I think that probably eased him into it. So even though there's this giant uh, octopus Hydra monster in the background. He didn't, he didn't. It didn't bother him because Baby Do- Groot is dancing to the tunes, and you know, Baby Groot just made everything uh, better. So obviously, his brother it loved it. He he went to the first one with me. My wife loved it. I loved it, and my mother absolutely loved the entire movie. Nice. And her, she loves Baby Groot. 
Groot. <laughs> Baby Groot is the greatest thing ever, and she just kept, <laughs> she just kept raving all weekend about that was that was just an incredible movie and uh, how awesome Baby Groot is. So, um, I mean, there's absolutely something for everybody in this movie. I like hundred percent. I covered ages sixty to. I better be careful here. Uh, <laughs> Seventy five. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, and I went to see it with with my daughter and my my dad. So, yeah, sim, similar age, not not quite as high as that. Like the last time we went, uh, when we went to see Guardians One, like, uh, we we took my my granddad with us as well, who's like in his eighties, mm-hmm. and he liked Guardians One. So uh, we didn't we decided not to take him to this one. We we uh, we did indoctrinate my mom uh, the weekend before. We had a, mm. we had her over so she could watch Guardians One. So. She'd have mm. some idea who the characters were, um, mm. you know. Uh, vis- the, you know, obviously, there were a lot of effects that I liked. I still think I liked a lot. You know, the fi- the the climax of Guardians One was still better in my opinion. Just mm. the, the battle uh, on uh, Xandar, um, I really enjoyed that battle. The fight. This was a lo- this was a lot different than that. It worked, but um, I still kind of liked uh, the end of Guardians One more so. Um, I thought the soundtrack... with the dance off, the dance off. Well, how can well, you top the dance off? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I mean, the dance off is the greatest uh, battle of all time, but uh, mm. the the fight leading up to the dance off wasn't that bad either. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, the I would say the soundtrack was significantly weaker this time. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean that started right out from the, the trailers and whatnot. Like, I mean, there was some really good songs in it, like uh, the ABC and stuff like that at the beginning, and that was come a little bit closer was in it as well. But I mean, like the the, I mean, it's lightning in a bottle in it when you yeah. you get all those ingredients together for that first movie, and uh, now they're just kind of. They're going on from that and developing it from there, and I still thought the soundtrack was good. It's not, it's it's not as listenable like uh, in terms of just listening to it on its own, as the, as the first one is. Because I mean, the first one you stick all those songs on and in that like in the order that they're on in the soundtrack, like it's it's a really really good strong listen. Like it's a it's a great mixtape and like a love letter to that sort of time. But this one, like the the songs all fit really well in the movie, but listening to them on on their own is not quite as uh, not quite as fulfilling. Now, now here's the scary thing, and it was in uh, in the movie uh, because we know there isn't a mixtape three. Mm. Now, instead, so uh, it was Craglin. I think says, "Yo, Yandu found this on a planet and wanted to give it to you." That's right. Yep. And he hands something to uh, Peter, and Peter goes, "What's this?" It's some uh, music device uh, fr- from the eighties or nineties. I think. Uh, I think it's in the nineties. It's a Zune. A Zune. Well, yeah, I was getting to that. You just right, right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> killed it. But uh, he goes, yeah, it's it, I, this is a music device uh, from Earth in the nineties. Uh, it's called a Zune. It holds three hundred songs. Hmm. So that scares me. What are you? Are are they going to? How big of a soundtrack is Guardians Volume Three? <laughs> I assume it will have like some of the some of his favorites in it. 
Oh, I, I, I. Or maybe, maybe it would just be a playlist yeah, like on that's Spotify. What I'm gonna, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's going to be called Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy playlist. Yep. <laughs> Which would be fine. Like I'm fine with that. As long as the songs are good, that's that's yeah. fine. So, um, other than that, uh, you you've already said you kind of thought the story was weaker. Any other uh, issues with the movie? No, no. Like I mean, as a visual spectacle, it's absolutely phenomenal. One of the best I've ever seen. Um, there was one or two like other just little things that I wanted to mention that uh, didn't come up during our, our discussion about like the the plot and whatnot. There, um, there was a scene in there with uh, Pierre Quill's grandfather. Yeah. In in the present day, so like when Ego's taking over like the various planets, there's sort of expansion things happening. Um, when that's happening on Earth. Peter Quill's grandfather is actually in that scene. Now, I didn't notice that in the movie because, like, who could remember? You know, yeah. it's just somebody that you saw at the beginning of Guardians 1 when, like, he's, when his mum was dying. But his grandfather's actually in that scene, so he's still alive in 2014 and still kicking around. And I don't know why, like, why it's important, but it could be important, like, in Infinity War or something. Uh, he might expect, get to meet him or something. Yeah, you'd expect he would go back and see his grandfather. Yeah, I mean, if he knows he's alive, you would just, he would assume that he'd, he'd be dead by this point, you would imagine. But we know that he's still alive, so the, the possibility for them to meet is is interesting. Um, the, the other one that I want to mention is, the end, like, and especially with, with regards to the music, the sort of well, end credits scene. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Before okay. we go move off of that, if you were away, let's just say from Scotland, for mm. 35 years... Mm. And you didn't have access to the internet or whatever. Wouldn't the wouldn't the fir- first things that you would do when you got back there is looking on your family or relatives? Yeah, Google them up and whatnot, and find <laughs> out if they're still alive. And like, like, oh, I wonder if I've got any relatives left. So you would think that um, the first thing Peter will do when he goes to earth would hmm. be to check in on his, on his family, mm-hmm. whether it's his cousins or whoever, or just, you know, uh, ch- check in. And I, I, I would expect there might be a scene with his grandfather in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I would hope so. Like, I don't think they would have put that scene in here if that wasn't planned down the line. And, and yeah, this, the other scene was, uh, I definitely want to mention the, the sort of, like, while the end credits are rolling, there is uh, a really cool, like, dancing parts for all the characters, all the main characters in the movie, like Groot and Rocket and, and Peter Quill and they all do these, like, really funny, like, different dances, and I really liked Yondu's one, I think it was, like, the Ravager Shuffle or something like that, yep. which was hilarious, but they did also have in this, they had the Collector, eh, not the Collector, the uh, the Grand Master in this. Mm-hmm. Who was uh, who we haven't seen in the MCU yet? This is the first time he's been in it. It was played by Jeff Goldblum, and he's going to be in Thor Ragnarok. So I thought it was a cool little sort of nod towards that without being like an extra credit scene. We're just showing you look, oh, this guy is around, he's in this cosmic universe, and we're going to get to see him like in the, one of the next movies. And I think like we're gonna get a lot more in Thor Ragnarok to like tie all this together with the Infinity Stones and everything like that than than we had previously thought we were. Because what they seem to be doing like a real like I call it almost an Iron Man two job of like pulling all the things in to like get the setup rock solid for uh, for Infinity War. 
which could go one of two ways. Could either be amazing or awful. Well, apparently ScarJo Scar the other day was uh, mentioning that um, there's a, she was just in a scene where there was 32 uh, characters on, on the set at once. Uh, that's awesome, and like that's pretty much everybody. <laughs> so, uh, anything else you want to say about the movie? Um, no, just like, I can't wait to see it when it comes out on Blu-ray again, and I uh, see the uh, the I want to see the the scenes they cut specifically, like you, you know the scene that we've and I don't know like how much this was shot and whatnot. Like they must have shot, they must have shot it, actually the scenes with the Simon Williams stuff. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Oh, like just the, I mean the, I know we we saw the pictures and stuff like that of it, but I'd like to see up like a bit more about that. And I'm sure they filmed something to do with him. Um, I, I would really like to see a one shot come back because like those one shots were so cool, uh, and sort of it was a real like good reason to buy the Blu-rays. And now it's just like oh, you get the couple of the lead scenes that they always put up on YouTube anyway. Um, but something that's actually like new, that's canon and whatnot, and like some of them were like so good. Like that one it did with the Mandarin was awesome, and the Colson ones as well, obviously. Colson and the Peggy Carter one. Yeah, and the Peggy Carter one as well. The Peggy Carter is probably the best of them because it's yeah, it's certainly the longest. Yeah. So, all right, Andy, I think we should wrap this up. We did three shows today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where can people? And we will be back. The plan is to be back next week, and we are going to be covering one, two episodes. What do you want to do? Uh, let's say two, probably for the moment. Okay. I think we, I think we're like a week behind, so we probably need to do like two to catch up. Yeah, we want, we want to be done before Defenders comes out. Um, yeah. And I am going to be gone for at least a week in July. We'll get into that. Okay. I'll be. It's it's for the show. Actually, oh yeah, I'm going to D23. Oh, nice, nice. I didn't. T- I think I mentioned to you. Yeah, I think you did. I don't know if you said on the show. <laughs> okay. Um, for those that don't know, and if anybody wants to meet up, I'm going to be in Anaheim. I think it's from July 13th through the. I have to find my calendar here. Um. But I'm going to be uh, attending D3 this year, which is probably not on this calendar. But, mm-hmm. um, oh yes, it is. I'll be in uh, I'll be in Anaheim from July 13th through. Uh, oh, uh, the 13th through. I think I leave on the 19th, so I'll be there oh, nice. the 13th through the 18th in Anaheim all day. Um, if anyone wants to meet up, please send us a tweet, you know, get me, get me either through the uh, Facebook page or the Twitter account. And we'll try and uh, meet up. I am doing all three days of D 23. For those of you that don't know what D 23 is, is it is a Disney convention, uh, Marvel, star Wars and Disney will all be represented uh games, movies, television shows, all of it. And 
I'm gonna see what I'm gonna see what I can get into. I'm going. I'm I'm not going as press. So hmm. I, I think that they're, they're making bigger deals out of this like D23 thing this year than they have done in the past because they've promised like exclusive reveals and stuff like that at it not necessarily for like Marvel things mm-hmm. but I know they're dropping like a new Kingdom Hearts trailer uh, during it so it'll be interesting to see if they if they do do like any new Marvel things or even like Marvel games things because we know there's like Avengers games and Guardians games in the works and whatnot yeah, Puzzle Quest will be there um, oh, well of course <laughs> but just just uh you know, we'll talk about this next week. We'll we'll do it as part part of next week's show because yeah. uh, we can get we can get into it. But uh, so yeah, we will do episodes two and three of Iron Fist next episode. So, uh, yeah. Andy, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on uh, forty two level one every Tuesday, four thirty Eastern, one thirty Pacific, nine thirty Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, we broadcast live on allgames.com. We talk everything, TV shows, movies, and mainly uh, video games. Um, last week's show was pretty much like all about E three stuff. So, uh, although we did uh, rank our uh, top ten uh, superhero movies in it as well in last yeah. week's episode, and I can. Make- I wonder- I wonder if you can guess what my number one was, Chip. Superhero movies? Uh, yeah. Probably Ant-Man and the Wasp. No, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't Ant-Man. No, I liked Ant-Man, but it's not like... It's not the top bar. It's not the top bar. It is an MCU movie. Oh, it'd have to be Civil War. No, not Civil War either. Winter Soldier? Winter Soldier, yeah. Okay. Yes. Spoilers for uh, that episode of 42. <laughs> Uh, I can be found every Tuesday night as well on allgames.com at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're on the B-Team podcast with my co-hosts Fred, Ryan, Normie, and Eli, when, where we discuss games, tech, and some movie and TV. And then you can catch me Thursday nights on All Games at 9 p.m. as well on Knuckleballer Radio, where pretty much any topic is open for debate. We no, don't know what the other people are going to bring to the table until we get there. Uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. That is with Normie, Eli, and Sean. And check it out when you get a chance. Uh, thank you all. Uh, if you have any comments, you want to uh, hit us, you know, give your thoughts on Guardians or uh, tell us how much how full of shit we are with our opinions on the movie, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook. Feel free to uh, send us... Uh, Marvel news. We uh, over there. We do try and read them all, and uh, we will see you guys next week. So um, I don't care if Groot and Rocket roll up in the Milana. Whatever you do, touch low.
It was lame, but I had to come up with something. <laughs> yep. All right.